0: <laughs> okay, so we are going to be in First John this morning. We are going to finish it up starting in verse five, Sorry, chapter 5, verse 13, all the way to the end. Uh, you can go ahead and turn there if you have your Bibles with you. Put your finger there, uh, because before we do that, I want to mention something else before we actually get into the Word this morning. So today, November 11th, and this actually marks the centennial anniversary of World War I. Okay? So kind of a big deal. Um, if any of you follow uh, the church on Facebook, we did a post that said that we were going to be doing an um, a honoring ceremony for the veterans today. Uh, but before we do that, actually during service, if you, if you are a veteran, would you mind standing so we can honor you this morning? If there are any veterans in the congregation. So... Thank you guys. Thank you. Um, So let me me just kind of announce what we're going to be doing. So at 11 o'clock on November 11th, the 11th hour, all that, okay, um, Memorial, along with other institutions in Jeff City, including other churches, are going to be doing a uh, toll the bells, okay? Uh, So we are going to be meeting at 11 o'clock right out here in front with our bell, okay, and we are going to bring it 11 times, okay, in honor of the centennial anniversary of World War One. So if you are a veteran, or if you would just like to take part in that ceremony, I invite you to come out front of the church at 11 o'clock, and we will be doing that. Um, in fact, if you are a veteran, uh, whenever you come out there, I'd like for you to stand up actually next to the bell while we toll it, okay, so we can honor you in that way, okay? Um, if you uh, decide, you know, i just too cold, I don't want to do that, that's totally okay. Um, if you're attending a life group after service today, I would ask that the life group leaders lead a moment of silence at 11 o'clock I think that'd be another great way to honor our veterans okay so thank you for letting me do that real quick okay so yeah we're going to get into 1 John uh, chapter 5 verse 13 going all the way to verse 21 let's go ahead and read that this morning just to get our heads in the right place here Uh, so if you would go ahead and stand for the last time during this fall fellowship that we are going to be in 1 John okay starting in verse 13. to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that we should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come, And has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Okay, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we come in prayer this morning. We just ask that you have your way in service this morning. Uh, we ask that you bless our technologies. We ask that you bless uh, the word this morning, Lord, as it is given. Um, Lord, right now I uh, ask for forgiveness for any unrepentant sin, Lord, so that way I may not hinder your word and that we uh, people may be able to receive it fully this morning. Uh, we thank you again for this congregation and this body and it is in your son Jesus name that we pray. Amen. Okay. You may be seated. Thank you. Okay, so as I was studying this out, uh, something I always thought was really interesting is there was actually some historians that thought that the Apostle John as he was writing 1 John here uh, was actually running out of parchment paper. And that is why we have kind of the abrupt ending that is verse 21. Um, he's kind of talking, uh, he, I mean it goes through the entire epistle, right? Talking about you know love and you know uh, faith and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden verse 21 comes up and it's like, little children, keep yourself from idols. And it just kind of seems like it comes out of nowhere, and it seems like, I'm running out of paper, i got to hurry up and get this out. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm going to teach that this morning necessarily. It was just something I thought was kind of interesting, that that was really what people thought his intention was there. Um, it's not like, you know, John was running out of toner in his printer whenever he was doing this. But, um, you know, let's not think at all that maybe it had something to do with the context of the chapter. Uh, but, you anyway, know, I just always thought that was really interesting. Um, one thing I do want us to keep in mind as we are reading this group of scripture is that in First John, we are actually—he is sorry—he is talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. I mean, he is writing this letter to believers, okay? Um, so that's one thing that I want us to keep in mind. There's also a second one. Because um, if, if we think about it in contrast to like his gospel, the gospel of John, in uh, chapter 20, verse 31, he says, uh, but these are written to you that you may believe. Whereas here in 1 John, he says, I write these things to you who believe. Okay, so it's a really kind of a different uh, context. We're writing to believers, okay? The second Thing that wants to keep in mind is not only is John writing to believers, but he's writing to believers that have weathered the storm, so to speak. Okay, we were talking uh, earlier, like in chapter two and stuff like that. We we're talking about false prophets, false teachers. We have doubt. We have problems with faith. The gospel has kind of been diluted for this group of uh, believers that John is writing to. Okay, so he's trying to write to believers, write to believers that have weathered the storm. So meaning that everything that in first in First John that we are talking about. should should be encouraging, not discouraging. John is trying to right the ship for this group of believers, okay? And I think that memorial in general can relate to this. As a body of believers, I'd say that we have weathered our own storms. We have had our pillars shaken a little bit here lately. So I wanna make sure that as we're going through this series, especially 1 John here, and we're coming to the end of it, that we realize that he's trying to be encouraging to a body of believers that have been a little shaken. And I want to allow ourselves to be encouraged by what he's trying to tell us. Okay? So please just keep that in mind as we're going through. So, how is he trying to do that? Well, John does a really good job of kind of bookending. First John for us, okay? And uh, the very beginning he says, I'm going to write these things. First John chapter 1 verse 4. I'm going to write these things. Okay? And then now here he says, I have written these things. Okay, kind of paraphrasing a little bit. So he's kind of booked in the book for us. Alright? And then here at the very end, on verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So the big word here, the big word that John is wanting us to know here as he's, because this is the conclusion, right? This is the epilogue. This is his final thoughts. This is his marching orders. He's trying to make sure that we realize that we have assurance in our eternal life. Okay? He's trying to give us this assurance. Okay? And this is how he is going to give us his marching orders. This is how he is building us up. This is how he is encouraging that body believers that may be a little weary right their faith has been shooken a little bit he's like be encouraged and have assurance in your eternal life okay and that's our bookends of the entire book okay now i think whenever i whenever i kind of talk to people there are two different camps when it comes to assurance in eternal life okay in my you know many years of ministry Uh, (laughs) um, but in my humble opinion there's like these two camps Okay? And in these two camps, there's obviously, there's positive and there's negative, but if you think about it, like somewhere in between is about right. Okay? So the first camp I kind of want to talk about is the idea of easy believism. Okay? And easy believism, they kind of have this thought when it comes to their salvation and all that, is that it's a formula. It's a recipe. It's a step-by-step guide on how, what I need to do in order to assure that I'm saved. Okay? These are the kind of people that, whenever they uh, look at the Bible, the main thing they always trying to point out is there should be disciplines that you should do daily right? So obviously that's a positive. They're very good with their disciplines. They're very good in their prayer life. They're very good at reading the Word. They stay there. Obviously those are very good things, okay? But these are also the kind of people that view things, like I said, as a recipe. You know, it's like half a cup of faith, tablespoon of grace, throw it in the oven, 350 for 20 minutes, boom, perfect Christian, okay? And they, they, they try to live out their walk in this formula. So the positive side here is they're really good with their disciplines, the negative side of this is they start to fall in this camp of moralism and they almost idolize the disciplines, okay? So, like I said, so somewhere in between is about right for that camp. There's nothing inherently wrong about saying that I need to have disciplines in my life. There's nothing inherently wrong about that. But don't put the disciplines above why, why you're disciplining yourself. Okay? Camp number two is the idea that, well, it's for you, but it's not really for me. And what I mean by that is these are the kind of people that they have no problem taking the Word, reading it, believing what it says. What they have a problem with is taking it onto themselves. They have no problem accepting the idea of doctrine of salvation through faith. What they have a problem with is thinking that their faith saves them. They have no problem thinking that God hears and answers prayers. What they have a problem with is thinking that God hears their prayers. So the positive side here is these people can sometimes feel, uh, sometimes come across as they're very humble people. right? And they also can be very comforting to others. It's like, well, you know, hey, I, I feel ya, I know. And they can be very empathetic and all that. But what they have problems with on the negative side is they end up growing this idea that everybody else's sins are forgiven except for mine because they're too grand, they're too great. So what do they do? They end up taking their sin and they raise it above Christ. Well, now we're falling into pride That's pride. I know it's kind of a weird way of thinking of pride because it's like, I'm so humble, I'm actually putting myself above Christ and what he's done for me. And these are kind of like the two camps. They kind of say, oh, like, well, I'm gonna be overly humble and that's how I know I have my salvation. I'm going to make sure I read my Bible daily. I'm going to make sure that I have all my disciplines in order and follow this formula and that's how I know I have my salvation. Whatever camp you may fall in, you might not be in one extreme or the other of either camp. You might be down the middle, which is great, which is fine. But whatever camp you may fall into that, the one thing that you need to make sure that you know is what John is wanting you to know, and that is that it is your belief in the Son of God that gives you eternal life. It is not your disciplines. It is not your formula. It is not anything that you can personally do. It is your belief in the Son of God. And that is what we have to stand on, is the belief, is the faith. He wants you to know that you have eternal life, not maybe. He wants you to know you have eternal life. So whenever he's speaking to a group of believers, right, that have been shaken, their pillars have been shaken a little bit, they've had to deal with false prophets, false teachers, why is it so important that we know we have eternal life? Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because there's something that naturally flows out of that assurance of eternal life, and that's confidence and boldness. And that is what John is concerned about. Because if you do not have that assurance of where you are going, it's going to be really hard for you to live that out while you're here. So in a lot of ways, 1 John 5, 13 through 21 is that. That is living in the kingdom. And what comes out of this, and we're going to go all the way down through this here real quick, and there's four major things I want us to get out of this, okay? We have a, from our, from our assurance in ter- of eternal life, right, we have a confidence in our condition. We have a confidence in prayer. We have a confidence in our interpersonal relationships or um, confrontations, if you prefer that term. Or, and we also have our confidence in our conduct, Okay? And these are the four major things we're going to talk about as we're going down through here. Okay, The first one here is the confidence in our condition. And that starts out in verse 13. Let's read it one more time because I think it's really important. I write these things to you who believe, who believe in the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know you have eternal life. There's every, everything that I have written to you, John speaking, everything that I have written to you in this book, I have done it all so that way you know all of it. Everything that David and myself have been preaching from, everything that we've been watching from the videos, all of that up until this point, is so you know you have eternal life if you believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's why. And that's really important, okay? Isaiah 43, 1 tells us, don't fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I own you. I own you. You have eternal life through me because I redeemed you. I love the other definitions of redeemed here. Redeemed also means I bought you back. I bought you back, which means there was a price, and I paid it willingly because I wanted, wanted to own you. You were worth it to me, whatever price. I was willing to pay it. The other definition of redeemed I really like here is the idea of avenge, that God avenged us. To be honest with you, I like that one more, okay? Cue heroic music. All right, he avenged us so that way he could own us. Now, what is the confidence in that? Okay, so he owns us, so what? Okay, recently I bought myself a truck, okay? It is not a new truck. It has quite a bit wrong wrong with it, to be honest with you. But I'm I'm planning on fixing it up. I have a lot of pride in this truck. It's the first truck I've owned since I was in high school. I've wanted one since I was in high school (laughs) when I had to get rid of it. Um, So anyways, uh, but I have a lot of pride in this truck. I really like it, okay? I mean, it's got a humongous dent in the door. The heater doesn't work. I mean, anyone would say, well, that's a scrap, right? Like, you're an idiot for buying it, right? But I got a really good deal on it, I think. (laughs) Sarah might tell you different, but I think I got a good deal on it. (laughs) But I have a lot of pride in the ownership. I bought it. I paid cash for it. I don't own, there's no loan on it, the bank doesn't own it, I own it, it's mine, okay? The heater's broken it right now, I guess that means I should throw it away, right? he's going to go get crushed? No, I'm gonna fix it, because it's mine, I own it. He owns you, he's not gonna just throw you away, he's willing to fix you because he has pride in you. He owns you. This is very important that we really grasp that. Because that is where the confidence of our condition comes from. That even if in our brokenness he still has pride in us, he's paid the price for us. So that way he owns us. He's been he has avenged us. Okay, John twenty 10, twenty-eight. I get sorry, I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one, no one, no one will never, never perish. You know what no one also includes? You. You, and all of your stupid mistakes, and every time you stumble, every time you build, you cannot snatch you from his hand. Nothing will. What if we were to start approaching our condition with the confidence of Paul? Talk about one of the most annoying people in the New Testament. He really was. He was one of the most, there was nothing you could do to the guy that would make him question his salvation and his condition. Nothing, right? Um, he, they said people would come up to like, oh, well, we're just gonna beat you. If you're not gonna be quiet about all this, we're just gonna beat you. He goes, okay, well, let no, let no one troubling me, for I bear, <laughs> I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Okay, well, I guess that doesn't work. Okay, well, we'll just throw you in jail then. No, that's fine, I'll just convert your guards. (laughs) Fine, we'll just kill you. Mm, To live is Christ, to die is the gain. Like, what do you do with that, right? Like, might as well join. (laughs) You know, if you can't beat them, join them, literally. Okay, but what if we were to start approaching life that way, in that same exact way. There's nothing that can be done to us from anybody else, from internally, from externally, nothing like that. Our condition is secure because we believe in the Son of God, therefore we have assurance in our eternal life. No one can snatch us. We've been redeemed. We've been bought. He has pride in us. He owns us. Okay? The next confidence, so, segue here, I'm trying to be very conscious of our time this morning, just so you know. Okay, <laughs> uh, so, okay, the next confidence I really want us to point out is that our confidence in prayer. Okay, so we have this confidence <clears throat> on where we're going. We have our confidence in our eternal life, okay? We know that, um, we know where we're going. We know we're going to be standing in front of the throne. So the next part of this is confidence in our eternal life. In other words, conf- confidence in our conversations with God. Okay? Um, <clears throat> going back to our two camps, people who are extremely humble be just like, you know, I'm not even worthy to talk to God. Right? I'm not worthy to talk to God. I am just a lowly human. All of that... That's how I was. I know I felt that way. If no one else wants to agree with that, I will. <laughs> But that's not what John is trying to get us to understand here. Because we have to be able to have this confidence in our standing, and our condition, knowing how God views us. Okay? We are not some lowly human. We are a son. We are a daughter. And we are an heir. And we should approach the throne as such. Okay? Confidence in our prayer. Okay, let's read that section real quick. Starting verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. It almost seems circumvented, doesn't it? But I think there's one thing we need to make sure we understand is that God is not a genie. He's not an indentured servant, or anything like that. We're not going to rub our Bible, and he's going to pop out and grant us three wishes. Okay? <sighs> Thank you, Gabe. <laughs> okay, that, that's, I hope no one is surprised by that statement. No one's surprised by that, right? Okay, so he, we're not going to rub our Bible, he's not going to grant us three wishes, that's not how this works. Okay, there's a caveat whenever we are approaching the throne. There's a caveat in our confidence. What is that? We ask according to his Will. It doesn't say, ask for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. I don't think that's what that said. That's not how that reads. It says, ask according to his will, and he hears us. You notice that? It doesn't even say, ask according to his will, and it'll be, and it's yours. It says, he'll hear us. So it's not about focusing on getting our prayers answered. It's about... Focusing on the idea that we have a Heavenly Father that's willing to listen. The Creator of the entire universe is willing to listen to us. How do we approach prayer? What does a confident prayer look like? I really want to eventually do an entire series on nothing but prayer. I'd love to do that. Yeah. For me, <laughs> selfishly. You know you what? Know? Because whenever I was studying this out, this, this really hit me. Why do we pray? Do we pray to change God's mind or ours? Let me ask the question in a different way. Why do you pray? Do you pray to change God's mind about his will or do you pray to understand his will and accept it? The, the, was anyone else conflicted with that? Because I was when I read it. When, it when, that, when that came to me, I was just like, ah. Oh. I mean, do we, do we pray like, you know, Lord, just let me, let me win the lottery just once, just, just once. <laughs> or do we pray, Lord, help me to accept and find the blessing in everything you've given me. 1 Thessalonians, if I could pronounce that right, 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So it's God's will. He's already made up his mind how things are going to go. But that doesn't mean we're not supposed to pray. We're supposed to pray continually. So then, again, why are we praying? If he's already made up his mind, why do we ask? Prayer is not always about asking. Prayer is about having an intimate conversation with the one who created us. That's prayer. Sometimes it includes requests. Sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. Philippians 4, 6-7, through 7, do not be anxious about anything But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. But instead, pray to God that wants to have an intimate relation and an intimate conversation with you, that wants to teach you how to understand his will, instead focus prayer on thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Not give me this, give me this, take this away, I can't handle this. No, thy kingdom come here Your will be done here and don't be anxious about it. Because when you are in that intimate relationship during prayer with the Heavenly Father, it is going to overwhelm you to the point where you don't have a choice. You're not going to be anxious. Present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Is it going to make sense? Not to those who don't understand it. (laughs) Because I know that's, for, for unbelievers, I know that's hard. Well, he's made up his mind anyways. God must be this evil person to allow all this stuff to happen on earth. Everything is his will. All that. Understand this. You are owned by him. Which means that your good is always top of mind, even if you don't think it's your good. Even if you don't think it's your good, it is. Don't be anxious about it but let that understanding just transcend because you know what, I don't understand this. I don't know why this decision was made. I don't know why this was put on me. I don't know why this was taken away from me. I don't know why this person passed away. I don't know why I have to deal with this. I have no idea, I don't understand it. The only thing I want to understand you, understand is you, God, that's it. I want to have an intimate relationship with you because as soon as I do that, my anxiety is going to go away. Peace is going to come upon me and I'm going to have that confidence to live in the kingdom like you want me to. I have confidence in my condition. I have confidence in my prayers. I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. Okay. Confidence in our interpersonal relationships is our next section here. Um, the other, I made a note here, it's also confidence in confrontations. Because a lot of the way, that's what this is, too. Okay? Let's read that section. Starting in verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, we shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that we should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not Lead to death. Okay, let's remember who we are talking to. Okay, we are talking to a group of believers. Okay, if they believe, what does that mean? They believe in the Son of God. That means they have eternal life. If they have eternal life, are they leading to death? No. <laughs> okay, let's keep that in mind while we're doing this. So, what is John saying? John is saying that. You are in a community of fellow believers. Don't automatically assume that you are going to be able to condemn one another because you need to be focusing on eternal relationships, not earthly relationships. Their sin is not leading to death, but that doesn't mean they are not sinning. Okay? We are talking about living in the kingdom with one another, with other believers. So how, do, so how would I confront Keith about a sin? I would not condemn him. I would pray for him because Keith is not just a brother here. He is a brother for all eternity, and that's what I need to be worried about. Okay? I'm sorry if that upsets some people that, you know, after you die, you don't get rid of us. Okay? Okay. <laughs> I hope I just didn't depress people like, oh man, I was really hoping in the next few years I was done <laughs> don't have to deal with that guy anymore Nope, eternal <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so we need to be focusing on that It's all about eternal relationships Not earthly relationships Our earthly relationships should be Preparing us for eternal relationships Okay Because guess what When we are in that eternal realm The sin's not going to matter because there won't be any. It's gone. It's gone completely. Again, grab a hold of that. In eternity, it's gone completely. So something that lasts that long does not need to affect something that's going to last forever. Does that make sense? Okay. Gotta keep moving, gotta keep moving. (laughs) All right, last part, all right. the last one is our confidence in our conduct. The confidence in our conduct, okay? Let's read this section. Verse 18. We know that everyone has been born of God, does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. The last time I, uh, I preached up here, I got to preach on the idea of practicing sin and practicing righteousness. So right here, we kind of see John circle back around to this, okay? So whenever we say that people that are born of God do not keep on sinning, okay, let's keep that in mind, that all of this is written to believers, okay, and is meant to be encouraging, not discouraging, Okay, so let's remember that. So what we're talking about here is the idea of practicing sin. Living in a continual disengagement from God. Okay, when we're talking about continuing in sin. I am not talking about a sin, okay? I'm not even necessarily talking about a season of sin when someone's going through a rough patch, okay? If Keith was going through a rough patch, His sin is not leading to death. My eternal relationships mean more than my earthly relationship, right? Okay? We're talking about remaining in the practice of righteousness here. Okay? So if we are practicing righteousness, that is the confidence in our conduct. But where does that confidence come from? It's like, okay, so I'm practicing righteousness. I know that. I know that I'm practicing righteousness, but there's nothing there for me to necessarily stand on. What's my my confidence here, right? Come on, Adam, on the other three, you gave us a really good foundation, a really good confident thing to stand on, okay? All right, here it is. You ready? We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him. We are protected. We are protected because we are owned, okay? Whenever I bought my truck, I bought insurance, (laughs) okay? (laughs) I'm a car guy, sorry. Okay, we are protected. We have the Son of God. We have Jesus Christ, okay? He is our righteousness, not ours. Filthy rags, snow white okay he is our protection which means that because of him because of our belief in him we have eternal life because we can always get forgiveness we have our righteousness in him because we can't do it ourselves okay we have a protection from the evil one if you are living in a continuous disengagement for god from god you don't have that protection You don't have that protection. So all your sin is still counted against you. That's still counted against you eternally. But if you have that protection from Christ, you don't have to live in condemnation of the past or fear of the future. Either one. You have that protection. You have that shield. And that is our confidence. The confidence that we have a condition okay, in front of, with uh, with our belief in the Son of God. Because of our belief in the Son of God, we have that assurance in our eternal life. Through that, we should have confidence in our prayer that we can approach a Father in Heaven boldly, knowing that we are not some humble weeble little human, okay, that we are a son or a daughter of God. An heir to the throne is how we get to approach that. Okay? We have confidence in our relationships with one another because they are going to be eternal, not earthly. Okay? And then this last one is we have confidence in our conduct, knowing that if and when we sin, we are protected from the condemnation of that sin. Is that sinking in with anyone? Right now, if I wanted to, I could take a poll of everybody in this sanctuary right now and say, raise your hand if you sinned over the weekend. I'm not going to do that. Don't raise your hand. Okay? But I could. And anyone that didn't raise their hand would be sinning because you'd be lying in church. Okay? So the question is, are you willing to step up and stand on your belief of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, so you can have protection from that condemnation? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Are you there? Do you feel like you're protected? Do you feel like and you can really stand on that belief? Do you feel like you have confidence in your interpersonal relationships? Do you feel like you can actually pray to a father and not just some distant deity? Do you fully understand that there is a creator, a God, that planned something as small as the molecules in our air to enter our lungs so somehow it circulates throughout our body to give this dust life? And He wants to own you. Do you have that kind of insurance? William Barclay noted, endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. So what does protection look like? Protection does not look like he keeps us from sin necessarily. Protection looks like that at the end of it, it turns to his glory. He's not necessarily interested in a Christian that can go through the mud, go through the muck, go through life with no scars, no bleeding, no sweat, stinging their eye, everything like that, come through completely white, clean. Only one did that. Now he's totally okay with you being covered in mud, being, having the sweat in your eye, bleeding from every orifice, as long as you are willing to endure it and turn it to his glory, not yours. Where does your assurance lie this morning? Do you have assurance in your eternal life? Because that, that's what John is. First John, that's what it is. It is getting you to have assurance in your eternal life so you can live in the kingdom. That's the point. That's the bookends. And we're not even done yet. We have second and third John to go through. But I would say, humbly, <laughs> this is the climax, guys. The latter, the last, the, the, the epilogue, the conclusion of First John here is really the picture of what it looks like to live in the kingdom. This is our hope, the assurance of our eternal life that we may have confidence in this life. And why do we have confidence? Because we have a hope in our eternal life. I'll go ahead and ask the musicians to come forward. can't tell you enough how important it is to have this assurance. Because if you don't have that kind of assurance, I'm really not sure how you make it. To be honest. Whenever if I wouldn't have that assurance, that a hope of where I will be, I probably wouldn't be a very happy person. <laughs> I constantly be living in the condemnation of my past and fear of the future not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring, not knowing what's going to happen the last time I shut my eyes. Just not knowing. I can't speak for anyone else in this room, but that would scare me, to not have that assurance, not have that protection that is offered to us, free of charge, through faith. Which camp do you follow in? Do you view your walk as a series of formulated events but you lack the intimacy in prayer? You believe in a God but not a father? Or do you have trouble understanding who you are in his eyes? That you're not scum you may sin but you're not a sinner. You may die but you'll never know death. Where do you fall? So like most Sundays we're going to say that you know there's nothing magical about these stairs up here. But if you feel the need to come forward and pray, they're open. But my heart is not you showing that you can boldly stand up and come up front so everyone knows that I'm praying. The only thing I'm concerned about is you praying and making sure that you are assured in your belief. Something we like to reiterate here often is you're not here by mistake. If If you're a visitor, you're not here by mistake for some reason, you had to be here today to hear this. For some reason. I don't know what that is. No one else here knows what that is. But you have a father that did. So I'll ask this morning, pray where you are. Come up here and pray. I really want us to focus on confidence, our boldness, and where our assurance lies.